In challenging and uncertain times, nothing is more important than our core values. The challenge is, though, we may not be clear on what those values are, what makes them different than behaviors or wants or needs, and how do we really use them in our leadership. Today, I'm joined by core value thought leader, John Blumberg. John is the author of Return on Integrity and provides guidance and insight for business leaders throughout the country on how they can uncover their core values and put them to the greatest good in their teams and serving their customers. Welcome to Communication on Point podcast. I'm your host, Dean Hefta, and I'm looking forward to you gaining insights that you can put to work with my conversation with John Blumberg. Let's get started. Communication and I think connection and building understanding are so critical. They, they fit together. And, and that's why I'm excited to have my guest today, John Blumberg. John, I, you are certainly a thought leader when it comes to thinking about integrity. And the message that you have is really helping leaders think differently about how their core values come to life. And what I want to know from you is when we think about connection, when we think about communication, how do core values affect that? Yeah, Dean, uh, it's, I, I think one of the keys there is where does the communication come from? And when I think of core values, what I like to think of is it is the fuel of everything. It's the fuel of every communication. It's the fuel of every skill. Um, and so uh, if, if it's coming from the core, then the likelihood of every communication skill that you would learn, whether it's listening or any kind of communication skill that you've ever learned in a communication class is going to be enhanced. And I would say exponentially more valuable if it starts at a core um, where the values are what's bringing it to life. Now, part of that is understanding what a value is versus needs and wants and behaviors and opinions and beliefs. But when we understand what a core value truly is, it will be like the fuel that brings to life um, all of the communication. Okay, well, you mentioned something there that I want to dive into, that there's a difference between behaviors and wants and needs and core values and all those things. What is the difference and what is it that we really need to understand that makes core values so unique? Yeah, so I think a lot of times what happens is we get confused on, like when I'm having people think about what their core values are, the question is take a blank sheet of paper and at the top of the paper, write down what are my core values. What most people will do is either literally in writing down after I've just said it, or in their mind, they will change the question uh, to what do I value, which are very different questions. What do I value leads to our needs, our wants, our opinions, our beliefs, and our behaviors. So if we think about behaviors, think about those as being something that is, uh, it is situational, it is action-oriented, uh, uh, it is um, in the moment and very, very important. Uh, certainly when we're communicating, that's a behavior. Uh, but the question is, where does it come from? Our wants or our desires? Uh, and this can be wonderful. It can motivate us. It can draw us in. Uh, and they can be really wonderful things. 
if you think about our needs, these are tricky because they can become real attachments. In fact, uh, they are so foundational. Oftentimes what happens is they parade around as our core values, as do our opinions and beliefs. I would say that, that core values are a state of being. They are um, trajectory. In other words, once we understand them, they will set a trajectory of who it is that we become. And so maybe in some ways it might be helpful to look at these as behaviors are a way of doing. Wants and needs are most often a way of having, and core values are a way of being. And probably the greatest differentiator from core values and the other three categories it's, is simply this, that core values never divide. They never separate. Uh, when I think about integrity, is the, it's the fabric of every core value. And when we think about integrity, I like to think in terms of being whole, entire, and undiminished. In other words, um, everything is connected. And so if, if we really dig down to what our core values are, again, not what do we value, we have something very rich and full of potential that will feed into those other three very important categories. And in fact, it originates in the values that feed the needs, that feed the wants, that define the behaviors. So I need to understand something that you said. Uh, you said core values never divide. Uh, and I think that's a really interesting concept because maybe what we've been uh, taught about core values is these are convictions and these are places where we may, might take a, a stand. And anywhere we take a stand could be a place where we are okay with separation or division or conflict or things like that. So help me understand how if we're understanding our core values, that they are not going to lead to division. Yeah. And you make a great distinction there because I do think that we have misused core values, um, frankly, in a very convenient way. It is the, <laughs> it really goes back to this idea of our opinions and our beliefs. And, and don't get me wrong, there are really, really important needs that we have. Um, and, and I get kind of controversial sometime in this, in the sense that I say that family is not a core value, that family is a core need and our values are what makes the experience of family, how we show up for family um, in a very rich way. Um, I would also say in an organization, profit is not a core value. Profit is a core need within an organization. And I, in the book of Return on Integrity, I try to really come pretty strong at those kind of issues to show how really important needs are. In other words, with profit, uh, in the book, when I said profit is not a core value, uh, I quickly followed with profit is like sleep that we don't live to sleep, although there are certainly days we've had where if I don't get to sleep, I'm going to die. But the truth is um, we sleep to live. In other words, we make profit to keep the dream alive. Um, how many people would put family as a core value? 
but at the same time treat their family in a very terrible kind of way. But they will claim that that's a, you know, that's a core value. So I try to differentiate between our opinions and our beliefs and our needs and truly what values are. Let me just give you a quick example. Um, let's, take the, uh, let's take something like a lot of times people will uh, say that listening is a, uh, is a core value. They really value listening. I would say that listening is not a value at all, that listening is a behavior. And that, let's just say, for example, that something like respect is a core value. Now, all of a sudden, you might look at that and say, well, yeah, I could see how respect would never divide. It's impossible to come at the state of being of respect and ever have it divide. It fuels connectivity. However, you might say, well, doesn't listening do that? Well, not necessarily. I remember in my years when I worked at Arthur Anderson, uh, we had a listening course called um, Effective Listening. And in the course, <laughs> I actually listened so well because I was afraid that the instructor at any moment was going to say, okay, what did I just say? So <laughs> I'll, you know, I'll just call it for what it is. I was really listening, so I wouldn't fail the test, right? Um, but also in that course, there were a lot of skills that were taught like mirroring and pacing and, you know, showing how you're connected in a conversation. Well, a lot of sales organizations actually teach those skills to create the perception of connectivity um, when there's really no connection at all, almost in a manipulative um, kind of way. So listening is a neutral vehicle that could go either way. Respect, on the other hand, if let's just say somebody has a, a core value of respect and listening is one of their behaviors, what they will do is they will see listening as a skill to allow respect to come alive. And that's the difference of trying to distinguish these categories and then seeing um, core values as a um, is something that never divides. And so I, I think that's, it's probably one of the most important characteristics of a core value that I think if we get that, we begin to experience some very different things. I appreciate you diving into that because it is so important to distinguish uh, between those things. And that's a helpful example to understand how it isn't about dividing. It's something that helps us to create unity. And I get a sense um, in a lot of organizations that the concept of core values. We talk about, okay, so back up. We talk about communication. We talk about corporate communication, how leaders are connecting with their staff. And I'm going to want to dive into that with a lot more work from home going on. But it feels like the concept of core values has become kind of passe or watered down. And if I'm in an organization, if I'm leading an organization and I'm getting that sense too, what can I do about it? Yeah. So the first is to recognize the values for what they are. And, and this is a really good practical um, test, Dean. If, if everyone that is listening, if their organization has core values, go pull that list of core values. Now, I'd like to think, well, they just know those. And most of the time, most people in organizations don't even know what they are. But if, if you can grab those, look down the list, and I can almost promise you that a majority of them will be just good behaviors. 
they will be um, possibly um, really strong needs of the organization parading around as core values. Um, and so that's not always true, um, but it is often very true. In fact, one of my major clients called themselves out on it when they went down the, the, uh, the firm's um, list of seven core values. And they called me up and said, John, these aren't core values at all. These are just good behaviors. There's nothing wrong with that. It's great to have good behaviors, but they weren't core values. So I think what is helpful is when you look at those, go ahead and notice what they are, even having an awareness about that. Um, and if, you know, if you're just working in an organization and you have no control over how those core values are defined uh, or what they are or have input into what they are, I think one of the things that you could do is if it is a good behavior, maybe stop and ask yourself the question, what, be, what value would most bring that um, together? What value would allow that to um, really come to life in a way in its richest form of that behavior. And, and so I think that can be helpful. Here's the other thing. No, it always starts in our own mirror. In other words, it's our own core values that we first need to explore. We first need to dig so that we can have an understanding of these nuances between behaviors, wants, needs, and core values. And once our own personal core values are clear, we can at least look through the eyes of our own core values into the lens of the organization's core values and say, what in my own set of core values can I do to take responsibility to bring those organizationally expressed values to life in the richest way? It's a really interesting way of thinking about how do these pieces fit. And I was reflecting on maybe people that have some animosity to their organization because it might be tied to could be leadership or you know just kind of the culture of the company using the perceived core values as ways of getting people to act you know like kind of tools of manipulation and if there's certain behaviors we're expecting then that can feel you know i, I might have kind of almost a subconscious resistance to them trying to get me to behave a certain way rather than enlisting me in the core value side of it. Is that a, a way to kind of uncover, hey, maybe this is more of a behavior because there's some resistance to it or how does that fit? Yeah, no, I think that's a good call uh, right there, Dean, that you, um, and, and this is where you've got to check yourself, right? This is where knowing your own core values will help you decipher how to show up for that. Um, and because it, I was uh, given a presentation, this is probably four or five years ago, and it was on core values specifically. And at the end, a guy comes up and says, John, I get this. And I, I know I've got some work uh, to do on my own core values. Um, but I think I'm beginning to see a couple of them. And uh, he said, but what about all this team that I have to work with. I mean, you know, it, it's frustrating. I don't think they have any core values. And I simply said, he said, what do I do about that? And I said, well, all right, you said there's a couple of core values that are becoming clear to you. What do those core values tell you you have to do about that? 
And he goes, oh, oh, dang, I got to be accountable to my own core values when I, you know, when I show up for this. Right. And and so when when we become clear our on in our own core values, we will show up differently to our frustration to what the organization um, is requiring of us. Now, think about this for a second. If these are needs of the organization, but they're parading around as core values, but there's nothing immoral about them. It's just these are strategies or this is this is the way they want people to act. Um, it doesn't mean that they're, they're bad things. It just simply means um, that these are not necessarily core values. And therefore, the organization itself is not meeting its fullest potential uh, in its culture, in its alignment, in its engagement, um, in the retention of the best people, whatever comes from when really true values are in place. But think about this as well, you know, coming back to this idea of communication. If we are deeply grounded in our own set of core values and it fuels out, even if I'm frustrated, even if I'm confused, even if I'm disagreeing, the way we communicate that will come out in a completely different way than if we haven't connected to any of that. So even in tough situations, um, I would say that we're always going to show up better. We're going to show up better mentally. We're going to show up better in our attitude. We're going to show up better in the words that we use when they're coming from this core place. Um, there's a, there's a, a wonderful um, saying that probably came from one of the mystics back in the 12th century um, when they're talking about when you're deeply grounded in your core, and have really done the interior work to connect to that core. What they say is it doesn't change what you see, but it does change where you see it from. And that's where that looking out and the frustrations that we have to live with allow us to show up with our own personal values and frankly, more grounded in a state of integrity than if we're just reacting to the frustrations that we experience. And frankly, those frustrations help us hone our own integrity and our own values. They give us teachable moments. Um, and again, remember, if it's all coming from our core values, all of our communication is sitting in that behavior bucket, which by definition, if the flow is from our values, all of those behaviors, including communication behaviors, um, is informed and enriched by the nature of those values. Well, it's helpful. And I, I think it's easy maybe for employees or people in general to maybe beat up leadership of a company because you know, maybe they, their core values are a little misstated or misguided. But my experience is they come from a, a place of good intention. They're trying their best. Uh, to identify those things. And so some grace and some recognition that, you know, maybe it's a journey of uncovering the true core values is just that it's a journey. And Dean, one thing on that, and you hit on something really important there is a lot of times what we will do is we will look out and we will judge uh, and we'll make assumptions. And part of that could very well be full truth. But I would also suggest this a lot of times we will do that because if all of a sudden I can say, well, they're not doing anything about this, why should I? And actually, unbeknownst to our own 
motivations, it's literally taking us, we're taking ourselves off the hook to have to do the, our own, you know, difficult interior work. In other words, we let them be our excuse for not doing the work that we need to do regardless of what they're doing. And so I, you know, I think that's a, that's a really important point because I do see that a lot in organizations where, where employees would rather talk about the leaders rather than get down to doing what they would so much personally benefit by doing re- regardless of what the leaders are doing. John, how would you like to play a game? Okay. You want to play a game? Let's do it. Okay. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to name some common corporate values. And I would like a quick reaction or a quick commentary from you, the place where you are and what you see when it comes to core values. Sound good? Okay, let's do it. Okay, here we go. Hard work. Yeah, hard work is uh, absolutely needed. And I think it helps grow people. And I think we feel better about ourselves when we work hard. But I would suggest that hard work is a core need, probably a want as well in organizations, but it is not a core value. Humility. Humility is uh, probably one of those words that I would put um, at the heart of a core value. Um, I think it it serves us well. It keeps us grounded. Um, it's not that we need humility. Um, it's more important that we are humility, and we we it it sets a trajectory of all good when we sit um, in that place of humility. Passion, passion again is one of those tricky ones, but I would say that passion is a need. It is not a core value. Uh, again, um, uh, and again, I might want to be passionate, um, and I may need to be passionate to accomplish what I need to get done or what I, what I really need to achieve. But passion is one of those tricky ones. And I'll, I'll say this on this one, is that these are not black and white buckets, but passion is one of those great examples that it sounds so rich that it feels like it deserves to be in the values bucket. And what I would suggest, it's a great example of how rich a need can be without being a core value. Teamwork. Teamwork is something that I would hope that we want. And I would think in organizations to be effective, it's something that we really need, um, but not a core value. Fun. Uh, wow. Okay. All right. This is tricky when you're getting harder as we go here. So <laughs> um, I would certainly say I want to have fun. And in many ways, I think we need to have fun. Uh, and I have seen fun on the list of core values. And I have to admit, I love when I see it there because it brings joy uh, to the list. Um, but I actually do believe it's another good example of how rich a want and need can be without it being a core value. Innovation. Innovation is a very tricky one. And I probably will get taken to the wrestling match on this one and pinned down. <laughs> but I'm going to say that innovation is a core need, not a core value. Honesty. Yeah. So honesty, um, this is tricky um, because, and this is one of my pet peeves because people will define integrity 
with the word honesty. And I do not believe that honesty is a definition of integrity. It is a lagging indicator. But I will say this, that honesty is not a core value. I would suggest that honesty is a core need. We need to be honest. But it is one of those that, depending on where you see it from, is going to be um, potentially uh, falling in either the need or the values um, bucket. And, and let me say this on this one in particular, is you notice here in this game that we're playing that these are words, right? And we all perceive a language, a word, um, in different ways. And therefore, what honesty means to one person may mean something a little bit different to someone else. And that is also true for any word that you would use in any of these buckets. But honesty is one of those. It it's probably has more to do with the depth and the way that you perceive it as to which bucket um, that it would fall in. But it is, again, another perfect example where needs are really, really important. And I would say in relationships, if we want rich, meaningful, genuine, authentic relationships, we need to be honest. And there are other values that allow that honesty in the most difficult times um, to actually um, happen. Well, well, we'll end the game with that word because that is a bit of a, a lightning rod word uh, when we think about it. And I know in facilitating discussions with leadership teams and organizations about it, their values that you know, honesty is one that just consistently comes up. And it feels like it's one of those things that since everyone values it, it's not unique enough to merit standing there by itself. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. In fact, um, um, Patrick Lencioni, I think in one of uh, his books, and uh, he, he names it well, it, it's almost the ticket to the game. Uh, mm. it, it doesn't even deserve to be on the list of core values in the sense that um, it is such a, I, I, well, I just use the words he said, it's the ticket to the game, that it's so understood. Um, and you could come at that in different ways. Um, but and that's why I think it's a matter of, of how you receive it and how you understand it. But I, I think you're exactly right. It's something that's so understood that's critical um, that it, it would make for good discussions and hopefully a discussion that can be had <laughs> through uh, the lens of all the other values a person has and respectfully discussed in that kind of way. I want to shift gears to uh, the situation that many leaders, organizations, individuals find themselves in with the the work from home reality that many people are facing. So if you're traditionally working in an office, suddenly your world the last few months has maybe been turned upside down. And as a leader, if you're traditionally used to being able to, let's say, manage by walking around or having that line of sight relationship, suddenly all that's changed. And being able to maintain the communication about what we're about and who we are and what we value and the, how those values affect decisions when even we're not there to help make them. How do we effectively utilize core values when we find ourselves dispersed, right? I, I mean, suddenly maybe my whole team is living in all different parts of the country and how we're doing work and how we're communicating is is very different. What have you seen and what should we be thinking about 
so that our culture doesn't get affected uh, in a negative way by not being next to each other each day? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think uh, what first comes to mind for me on that is that's a, that's a new context, not necessarily a better or worse context, but it is a context different than what we are generally familiar with um, in the workplace. Um, and because of that, because we are disconnected um, physically doesn't mean that we can't be connected um, in a much deeper um, kind of way. And so I would say that when, when it comes to culture and when it comes to the core values of an organization, uh, they are more important than ever. And frankly, the core values at the personal level becomes more important than ever where we are out of sight, uh, where we are uh, much more relying on uh, that inner strength to be able to know what to do, how to do it, where to do it, when to do it, and who with to do it. And so therefore, the more grounded we are at our own core, uh, and in fact, one of the most common, um, I guess, uh, examples that I hear from leaders or managers right now is um, how much they're struggling without passing people in the hallway. You know, it's that moment of how are you doing or a look that you see or you pass the door to their office or their cubicle and you sense something um, is wrong or you just as you're passing by, you pause to take a moment. Well, now it requires us to think about I need to pick up the phone or I need to send an email or I need to to jump on Zoom. And so it's it's asking us to rethink behaviors. And if we're saying that those behaviors are being fueled from our core, we're far more likely to be sensitized to it and to do it in an authentic and rich kind of way if every day we are going back to what is sitting um, at our core and then beginning to create new mechanisms that allow us to trigger and think about people. The same thing when you're walking down the hallway and you pause for just a second to say something to someone or stick your head in the door. Um, well, those are natural triggers in the context that you're in. So the question becomes now, what from our values do we begin to set into motion that are new behaviors in this new context? And I would say that's probably gonna take a little bit of while. Um, it's gonna take some creativity, uh, but I also think it's going to take drawing from something that is much deeper than just thinking about a bunch of new behaviors. Um, in other words, let's go back to respect just because we were there before and, and say, if I'm truly bringing my value of respect together today with the people I work with, what can I do today to be respectful to them? And then from there begin to create behaviors or habits um, that are expressions of the respect. They're not just another to-do list um, to be able to set compliance around, whether it's compliance of an organization or it's a compliance to my what should I do uh, type of thing. I appreciate your thoughts on that because it seems like this is a tremendous opportunity for leaders to maybe even start fresh in how they serve their teams and their customers and really step back and and dive into how do I bring these things that are our core values, my core values to life in maybe a new way. So it's, it's maybe an opportunity for a lot of people if they um, look at it that way. 
Yeah, that's a great way to look at it, Dean. So as we kind of wind down here, um, what's something that you really want people to make sure to keep in mind or understand when it comes to core values and integrity and that aspect of the organization and, and us as individuals? Yeah, so maybe this is the most important. So in my work in core values, I actually developed uh, a very sophisticated tool to be able to determine if somebody actually knows their core values or not. And that really complicated tool <laughs> is a blank sheet of paper. And what I would suggest, maybe the most important thing you can do, and I will guarantee you this will improve your communication, is to sit down with the blank sheet of paper and at the top of the paper, simply write the question, what are my core values? And over the next 30 days, don't make this a big exercise or go away to the mountaintop for a weekend and socially distance from all of creation, um, but to simply sit down and spend 30 minutes uh, or, um, and then put it away and then come back to it, you know, two days later and over the next 30 days, chip away at what the possibilities uh, are. Now, I actually created a core values brainstorming list to help people with that. And it's not that list of 30 words that you, you get to go pick your favorite five. I don't believe that is really very helpful. Um, what I, but it, what, it's a list of where I asked audiences to do the blank sheet of paper exercise. And over a course of two years, audiences of professionals, I asked them to turn in what they wrote down on their blank sheet of paper. And with permission, I curated a list of about 750 different words. And, um, and actually on my website, if anybody wants to go out there and grab it, it's yours for the taking. I and say, don't be green with it, print it out. It's an alphabetical order. I've never not put any word on there that someone has turned in. So you might be surprised what's uh, some of the words that are on there. And it's a mixture of behaviors, wants, needs, and and core values. But if you just go to BlumbergROI.com forward slash the big dig, it's just Blumberg, B-L-U-M-B-E-R-G, um, ROI, like return on integrity, BlumbergROI.com forward slash the big dig. And they are the very first tools, the, um, the core values brainstorming list. And then the next 30 days, come up with your version 1.0 um, and you'll, I think you'll be off to a great start to now start, you know, trying to go out and, and test drive that and keep working it. And I will guarantee you as well, 12 months from now, uh, you will be amazed at how not necessarily you found the core values, but over time with both cognitive energy, as well as some silent contemplation, um, I think eventually the values uh, find you. That's awesome, John. And I'll put a link to that uh, in the notes. And if people want more of your resources, the work you've done, or to be able to connect with you, where would you direct them? Yeah, probably the best place is just to go to the, um, uh, the website, which is the BlumbergROI.com. Well, this has been tremendous, John. Joining us today, John Blumberg, author of Return on Integrity and really a thought leader in that space. Uh, thank you so much for the insights and helping me to better understand how our values can really affect the connection and the communication that we have with the people around us. Well, thanks so much, Dean. Such a pleasure to be with you today. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.